Hey friends, I had a tremendously important conversation today with David Bedrick, who is my teacher and collaborator for the upcoming course, The Shame Clinic. And we talked about something, a topic that is very frequently um, misunderstood and invites a lot of confusion, which is the intersection between shame and oppression and social justice. How shame plays a role in all of that and how unshaming can take us to liberation. And let me just tell you, this is one of the most profound and medicinal teachings on the psychology of oppression and social justice that I have encountered in a very, very long time. So listen in. One of the reasons I wanted to talk today is because of the interactions you've had and I've had over the years about bringing up, gosh, it makes me upset, bringing up issues of oppression, diversity, hurtfulness, racism, anti-Semitism, sexism, those social variables that are part of the sea we swim in and then we internalize and what that has to do with shame. So I've been wanting to bring that out and then we had some interactions and I'm like, oh, this could be the moment. Perfect topic. Yeah, here's the thing. Let me, I wanna go back to an analogy I've used in another podcast and I think I can make this part quick. Let's imagine I'm a child, I am at times, let's imagine I'm a child and there's somebody bigger, a daddy, let's say, and he hurts me, right? He abuses me, we would say, right? He's not, he's not a nice, da nice daddy. It's not an accident. He's like, I'm a nasty guy. I will mistreat my children. I call that an assault, right? I get hurt with words, with neglect, with fists, with contact that shouldn't be made, that's sexualized for a child. All those things are an assault. Yes. How does shame enter? I'm going to make the comparison, the, the analogy to the social oppression. Shame enters not by my father. Abuse enters by my father. Injury, deep injury, injury to my genitals, to my psyche, profound injury. I'm not dismissing that. But then that injury gets witnessed or not. Somebody sees it or doesn't see it. So let's say I have a mama in this story, it could be a school teacher, it could be the, the whole system, it could be the police system, it could be a school system. Let's say I have a mom who says, I didn't see that, that's no big deal, it's invisible to me. You're making things up, gaslighting, why are you so sensitive, how come you do those things? Then I internalize a viewpoint that says, when something happens to David, he dismisses it. That mama is inside, I mother myself. By dismissing, denying, gaslighting, I don't matter to myself. I didn't matter, quote unquote, to my mama. I don't matter to me. That witnessing is what shame is, yes. not the assault. Let's go to social oppression. Now, mm. races, a racist thing happens. Somebody says something overt or covert, right? A, a, uh, a what do you call those? A micro uh, aggression. aggression. It's a little thing it seems to somebody it's hardly anything that's an assault that's not shame even if i use the n-word that's not shame that's an assault that's ugly nasty stuff what does shame happen shame happen when nobody witnesses when you simone don't say i saw that david that doesn't look so cool dear person of color i'm here noticing how are you doing 
I noticed what happened. I saw it. I witnessed it as an assault on you and your skin color, etc. Go ahead, break me off. Yeah. Right. And what happens when we point when, when we see, hey, we see the assault of racism. We saw the assault of sexism. We saw the assault of colonialism. And somebody says, oh, but that why are you saying that to me? I, that wasn't my fault. I, I wasn't there. You should stop grouping me with those people. That's not fair. What's what's happening there? Yeah. That person is in an environment where they can't handle much of a push. I don't call that shame. They know people confuse it. You're shaming me. I think if that person says, you're being forceful with me, I say, you're damn straight I am. No shame. It's just we're in a conflict. And they could then say, I don't want to be around you, David. And I say, you have every right to close the door, to go off social media, to block me, right? You're not. I'm not going to take your job away. That could happen to a woman, right, or a person of color or indigenous person. I can take your job away. I'm not locking you in the house. You can leave. Go ahead and walk away. You get every right to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just it's just a permissible thing. I know people talk about fragility and all those things. I, I get all that language. It's helpful in some way. But I just think that person can handle a little bit of heat. Now, what's the consequence of that not handling heat? Handling heat? It's huge. The consequence is huge. They get to do that, I guess. Whatever freedom means, they get to walk away from that. But the consequence is huge. James Baldwin said, I don't accuse my, he called them countrymen. Excuse me, he didn't bring in the gender thing. I don't accuse my countrymen for the gross racist assaults. He said, the thing I accuse my countrymen of is their quote unquote innocence, meaning I don't think it's happening. This is no big deal. He said, for the assaults and slavery, I can deal with that and I will. For the innocence, I don't know what you're talking about. What? I'll never forgive you. He says, we're talking about the witnessing. You don't get to be innocent in that way. You can. There's a big cost, social cost. And it's not a small cost inside either. But that's a whole other thing. Because if you, if you have a psychology that's able to dismiss huge pain that's caused to people, your psyche will also be out of touch with very significant things. And I guarantee if I work with that person, they may never come to me. <laughs> they get to not do that. Their kids might, <laughs> right? And say, this is what my father, mother, whatever is like. If that person dismisses that inside, they are oppressing aspects of themselves and not noticing it hurts. I'm not trying to be only sympathetic. I'm just describing that is a fact of that particular person. Yeah. Absolutely. And when, when those individual decisions to not witness assault and to not witness oppression, um, when those accumulate to create a social milieu, a social environment, a social culture of not witnessing, that yeah. becomes an assaulting culture. That becomes a shaming culture yeah. because then what happens is that the oppressed are, are assaulted, they're like, wow, that hurt. And society around them says, no, it didn't. Or it yeah. says, well, it's it not says, my problem. Says, and it, says, it says, that's why we need the Black Lives Matter. It says, you don't matter. That's why that phrase is so, Black Lives Matter is so potent. It says, you don't really matter. Because if you're And hurt, they say, we're hurting. And, and, and its culture says, we don't believe you. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And I want to say something now about trauma. 
Please. Because when a person is injured in a big enough way that they can't process it, psychologically or physically, it's too big a thing for me to process. Then that, that I'm calling that trauma. It's, I'm overwhelmed. It's not a minor thing, right? It's not like you say, David, I don't like you. It's like you did something and I can't handle it. It's way too big for me to process. I need a witness. That's a trauma and my trauma needs a witness. When there's no witness, shame enters. So now you have the assault and it's wrapped in shame. Sometimes I say it's like a wound that has an infected bandage on it. You've cut me, you've wounded me. And now the bandage goes on of shame. And I'm not thinking, what's wrong with me? Why, why am I in pain? Why am I bleeding? There's no reason for that. That cycle, that combination, the, the assault, too big trauma, and the witness completes a certain abusive dynamic. Okay, what's the implication? That says that if you say to me, as a Korean woman, this is what my ancestors experienced 200 years ago, 500 years ago, 20 years ago, 20 minutes ago. Doesn't matter what. And I don't witness that with love. That means I say, come on, Simone, get over it. Let it go. I can't believe you're still hanging on to that stuff. That's a shaming witness. When I do that, it completes the trauma bond. And what that means to me, you just got traumatized not 200 years ago right now right now the wound is being presented and i say whatever you're out of touch learn to forgive whatever i'm going to do at the moment to shame that that's not a past trauma that's a current trauma in the moment re perpetuated that's a powerful thing so a culture that isn't um witnessing past trauma for those who suffer the trauma is re-traumatizing those people over and over and over again by the lack of witnessing. That's it. Not that's right. Not that I'm saying this again because it's so important to me. Sorry, I'm repeating. Not Please. because it was a trauma in the past. There's a trauma right now. So someone says that's that's 200 years ago. I say no, it's not. It just happened right now, just a second. Mm. But what about that thing? No, right now. It's not about the past. This you are part of that story now. That's how it goes. You are part of the story of a black person saying, I was injured, and the police saying, it doesn't matter, the police are not a resource for you. Except, you know, like, like it's happened for in the South and the United States for, for all those years. Yeah, so that witnessing becomes really important. So from a shame point of view, our biggest responsibility is not making sure that I don't hurt a person and say something wrong. I should do my best. But then I ought to be open. I ought to be stupid sometimes and say something to you when you say, David, as a Korean woman, this thing is you don't know. Let me educate you. That would be lovely. You could say, F you, I don't want to talk to you again. That's legitimate. But you might say, let me educate you. That's a possibility. Um, but if I can't, yeah, I'm going back to the thing. If I can't witness that, what happened? The whole thing is, yeah, it's a, it's a huge Hello. Tell mm -hmm. us about the shame that prevents us from being curious about other people's experiences. And it's the shame that prevents us from what I like to call, you know, a kind of intimacy with humanity that also includes being willing to look at and sit with 
the things that make us really uh, for me, right? Um, Because I'm a person of many, many huge privileges and I carry a lineage of a lot Mm -hmm. of oppression and trauma in my body. I am both. And I noticed my psyche navigating this, um, having navigated this over the years where it's, you know, speaking of somebody who has felt incredibly fragile in many ways uh, over different, you know, yeah. over the course of my life. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like it felt like shame was preventing me from being able to look at something that was hard to look at because I didn't trust myself to, um, I didn't trust my sense of self to remain intact and whole after that. Right. It's huge. It's huge. If, if I grew up in a shame, I'm a shame bound world, family or culture, and what I mean by that, again, it's not that I just feel bad about myself. People yeah. have that view. What that means is that nothing inside of me that I've internalized in my world says, David, you matter. You're important. What are you experiencing? What's it like for you? Tell me about you. If I grew up in a world that didn't do that, then I will be mostly a person who's figuring out how to adapt, how to deal mm-hmm. with, how to cope with the world. I'm not in touch with my own heart, my humanity, my body, my experiences, my story. There's no subjective thing. I'm just like, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with this? What should I do now? What should I do now? I don't exist. My being is veiled. There's not a person's, these are strong words, I know, but it's like you could say my soul is not really online. There's a a series of coping strategies, defense mechanisms, whatever, that's what's there. So if you present me with something that requires me to actually be in touch with myself, to empathize, because I know what it's like to be hurt as a child. And I think if somebody tells me I can, I'm not had that experience, but I know what it's like to be overpowered and be less powerful than somebody else. If I can't have that, I'm not going to be able to respond to a challenge like that. Now, yeah. what would be best? Let's imagine I could be totally honest about that experience. And then I would say, I am totally over my head. You are so much bigger, so much more psychologically developed, so much more socially aware, so much more equipped to deal with intimate interaction, including conflict at a social level. I know I look like a strong white dude, but when it comes to the intimate interaction of a conflict that has heat and feeling and experience, I'm sorry, I'm not here. There's nobody home. I'm just a little thing. I'm waiting for someone to elder me. I hope it doesn't have to be you. It's not fair to ask you to elder me when I'm hurting you. But basically, I'm gone. There ain't nobody in here. That's what's going on. And that person's not going to say that. They're going to, and again, last and the last part about that. But what's so difficult about that is I, this white person, doesn't say that. Simone, I'm really sorry. I, you have every right to be upset. I am so far over my head. First of all, you're bringing emotions to me. I don't know how to get in touch with my emotions. You're bringing difficult, conflictual experiences. I don't know what to feel or how to defend myself or when. I never had those experiences. You're asking me to enter a scene, and I have no idea how to do that. Nothing has equipped me to do that particular interaction. So that's, anyway, that's a really powerful thing. Um, I wanted to say one more, one more thing about that. The difficulty in racial conflict not the only, but I think the number one difficulty is I can't say that. I don't say stuff like that. How come I don't say, 
gee, you guys, you're talking about heavy stuff. And I'm like so over my head. I'm like a little child compared to people who were adults in the room. I just, I can't do that. Because I can't do that. And because my defense mechanisms have been given to me by a culture, let's say a white male culture, let's say. In that case, I'm kind of sitting up. I don't, I'm not like a child over my head kind of going, I'm sorry, I can't do this. I'm so far over my head. I don't say that. I act like I have, I'm a powerful human being. I, that particular act, which is the cloak I've been given to get through life. I haven't developed emotional capacities, emotional intelligence, social intelligence. I have a protective coat. It's called white male. It's, let's, let's, as other people, white male have many other things, right? But let's, this particular person I'm personifying for the moment, exaggerating for the moment, has no other equipment but that. So when you come at me, I'm going to put that on. Mm. And you're going to be like, it's going to, you're going to feel like you're hitting a brick wall and it's going to infuriate the shit out of you. Mm. Yeah. What are you thinking? Mm. No, I'm just taking it all in. Yeah. Then I'm going to be immune. I'm going to be like, you're abusive. You're, I'm going to throw everything at you as if I'm a big, powerful person. And inside I'm feeling like tiny, tiny, tiny. But I'm not coming out with that. I'm not saying, I'm really small. You're my teacher. Can I pay you to teach me about Asian stereotypes and hurt? That would be a reason. You know, that might be a good relationship to have, right? You might say no. <laughs> right? Or you might say, at least you're respecting me enough to say, be my teacher. I want to bow and respect you and pay you or whatever I'm going to do. That would be a reasonable thing. Yeah. Phew. That's heavy stuff. What are you thinking? <laughs> it felt really, really important to get what you're saying, get this teaching, which I think I speak for many of us in the audience who say this is, I don't even have the words. Um, this is yeah. such, such medicine and wisdom. Um, I, I love that we got, that you got to say this and that we got to mm -hmm. hear this before the shame course begins, the shame yeah. clinic begins on monday because i the the under our understanding of our personal shame and the personal um unshaming cannot be thought of apart from the socialization and the yeah. social shaming dynamics and the denying dynamics and how mm. individual psyches and choices that result from those psyches can create um a culture of fragility. And when I say that, I don't mean the word fragility in a shaming sense, in a critical right. sense, in a judging sense. It's literally when somebody needs, is, is, is cannot handle much and, and yeah. is asking for, is needing caretaking without being able to voice those words, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you an example of something. I, I've done a lot of work with a, with a, with a group of people uh, processing diversity issues around the world we get together with three four five hundred people for like 10 days and we say what's up everybody and then guess what guess what's up these differences and the conflicts that's what's up so here's an example there's a more or less white person hang in there people and if you're white and you're offended just hang hang in and see if you hang in and keep your mind open don't if it hurts too much protect yourself a more or less white person says something to a more or less black person. I'm sorry, more or less. Everybody has so many different aspects, right? That's the basic dynamic. And that person says something disgustingly racist, obviously, right? 
this is what I think of people of color, and it's gross, right? They say that. In, an assault. Then that person of color says, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to confront you. I'm going to tell you what I feel or what I think or my opinion about you, and I'm going to give you a direct zoom, a zap. To me, that looks good, good. It's, it's gross, but that looks like a good interaction. Good meaning so far, so far. Do you know what I mean by good? I'm not saying it's a good that person did that. I'm saying that's how, that's what relationship looks like. Here's where the difficulty comes in. And I've seen this happen many times. Then another white person comes in and says, hey, everybody, can't we resolve this in a peaceful, easy way? Can't we? Let's have talk one at a time and relax and like and talk gently with each other. That is more infuriating than the N-word. How come? Why is that? Why? And the person of color is going, I'm doing fine with the person who called me the N-word. At least they called that to my face. I know what they're saying. I'm, it's gross. Right? I'm not saying I like it, but I'm okay there. But then this other person witnesses it they witness it as if there is a way to have the conversation. And the way is, hey, Simone, you hurt my feelings. Oh, I'm not. It's not by you saying, speaking out out of your culture and your intensity and your richness and your emotional power. That witness, can't we just make this come out nice? Let everybody make this peaceful. Then you have to dumb down your emotions, dumb down your power. And that person is saying, there is a right way to do this. That person's not thinking it's a right way that's comfortable for me. That person's thinking there's a right way. Can you hear the supremacy in that? The first person, the supremacy is obvious. I think white people are amazing and other people are less good. Okay, Ugh, gross. Don't anybody take that in. This person is saying unconsciously, there's a right way to communicate with each other in a good way, in a morally proper way. And it's not the way you're doing it. That makes people crazy because mm. the shame enters and that person has to say, if they're alive, I've seen this happen in groups. Somebody says, get that human being out of here. I'm fine spitting in that person's face, but I'm not fine someone telling me that the way I'm doing it, to witnessing the conflict as, a, as I'm not a good person, I'm not a moral, spiritually attuned universe person because I'm reacting strongly. Sometimes you can get that idea how much more painful this seemingly subtle, innocent, according to James Baldwin thing. Come on, why are we getting upset? We can talk to each other. That injures people more than the, I'm saying more, somebody would disagree with me, but you get the idea. Yeah. It's a big injury yeah. on that score. It's like mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a right way to feel your hurt and to respond to assault. And you, the person who's assaulted, don't know the right way you're doing it wrong so let me teach you <laughs> right they're teaching again oh, right yeah it's such exactly. a it's such a huge thing now one of the things we're going to do in the class that's really important to me i call it developing your psychological immune system so and good. that is how do you unshame this whole territory whether you're indigenous whether you're queer whether you're jewish how are you going to do that how are you going to unshame that territory? You have to educate your system to know when assault is happening. Because if you've been told, if you've been told all your life, that's not that big a deal. That just happens, right? 
your immune system will no longer think, I think I just got hurt. I think that person just put me down for being a Korean woman. I think that person just put me down for being a Jew. I won't know because my immune system's not going, uh, pathogen, incoming toxic thing that will hurt my sense of humanity. My system, because it's been shamed, is not tuned to notice that. And then the second part, and it doesn't resist. Right? A good immune system says, uh, COVID's coming in. I detect it. Let's put some antibodies in so that it doesn't hurt my system. Psychological immune systems do the same thing. And we're going to teach people about that. How does you get your immune system online so that when something comes in that's hurtful, you kind of go, oh, ouch, uh-huh, that hurts. Oh, yep, I'm alive. That feels that. That cut. That's bleeding. That's a punch in the gut. And uh-uh, I got to put up a boundary. I got to say no. I got to push back. I got to put up a resistance. Otherwise, I'm going to get ill. That's the essential part. I think it's going to be in the second uh, day of our teaching. Yeah. Cool or not? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm salivating. <laughs> I'm salivating. I'm, and, uh, the, the I'm yelling. Workbook. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm yelling because I'm outside, but I'm also getting very passionate about these. No. Things. The workbook that every oh. participant in the course is getting has all of this. Yeah. It has all of this and it has the exercises that David um, is referring that he that he's going to teach um, written into that workbook. Um, I was just thinking before we got on this live that that workbook alone, it's more transformative to me. It is, I can honestly say it is worth more to me than years and years and years and years and years of therapy and coaching that I've gotten. And I say this as somebody who thinks very, very highly of therapy and coaching. And that is the, the power of, of, of this work. And you get it in a hundred page. No, David, you said you told people it was 80 pages when it was 80 pages. Now it's a hundred pages. I try to, I try to like put like a, whatever, a, a rain on you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. David. It was, Good it, luck. it was difficult. <laughs> Good luck friends trying to rein her in. It's like, no, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> so my friends first, our first session is on Monday, Monday. Um, what time mountain? Uh, 7 30 p.m. Mountain, that would be 9.30 Eastern. 9.30 Eastern. Um, and we, we're going to meet weekly for five weeks, the five-week yes. intensive. And 7.30, 9.30 p.m. we're talking about. Just, yeah, just, yes. PM, yes. Just, yeah. Okay. yes um, and you can register now, and you will be able to register even after the course starts. So, you know, some people are getting their money together. They, I've been getting lots, lots of messages, people who are excited to um, sign up not quite by Monday, but after our, you know, registration is going to be open. And um, yes, there will be Q&A during the live calls. And we also have a way where you can submit, if you can't be on the live call, submit questions so that we can address them during the live calls. Cool. So um, we got you. And uh, David, thank you so much for spitting this fire right on time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I cannot, cannot, cannot wait. And we yeah. cannot wait to have all of you there. And it's such a privilege. And this work mm -hmm. is going to change your lives and it's going to change the world. Yeah. Thank you, Simone. And Thank just, you, David. 